Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. He is a director, an actor, producer, star of one of my favorite shows, The Blacklist, which I have not caught up on. Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern on NBC. Let me welcome the great Harry Lennox is here. Hi, Harry. Hi, Karen. You know, I told you off, offline that I uh, am looking so lucky. You're the most important person in the world for the next uh, however long we have. It's because of my queen uh, impersonation, right? It's excellent. Thank it's you. I, I, some of them try to troll me about it. But I've, I've been working on it for a while, and I think it's impeccable. I think my queen impersonation is right this spot on. Better than um, Helen Mirren. Better than Helen that's Mirren. That's what I, well, you know, let me just say this. When Helen Mirren played the queen, and <laughs> there was two queen movies out at the same time. I think it was Helen Mirren and uh, who's the other British actress? But they were both playing it, and she was playing the queen in like her thirties or something. But she's like sixty, and the the royal of vagina watcher went in to see if she could have a baby, and and I was like, this is the dustiest. This is not going to work. I, how is she going to have a child? This is not working. But she's a hell of an actress. All right. You're a hell of an actor. I want to first congratulate you. Harry Lennox, you got $26 million for your your museum that you came here and talked about a few years ago in the studio. I'll never forget it. You were talking about doing something in the south side of Chicago, an art center, because that's your home, and you want to bring something to those young people and give them culture and life and everything. And you got $26 million to do it. Congratulations, sir. Give them some applause for that. Smith, nothing? Did he gives no applause? What's no. happening with the applause? Harry, what is going on here? No, I but know, I'm, I'm waiting that's for your applause. Part. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until we get it to... Smith, hello? Hello? Is this thing on? Did... Thank you. What the hell? Well, thank you so much. Uh, the applause are, are, are welcome. This is a great first step. You know, the state of Illinois is, uh, is giving us this grant. Uh, we are going to use it. We're going to make sure we're excellent stewards of the public trust. We're going to put something back in that needs to be there uh, that I think will help everybody uh, who participates with it. And we hope that's the widest possible audience. And uh, that, that means people outside of the Bronzeville community, people outside of the city of Chicago. We want this to be a destination where people can experience the very best of what uh, the black culture has created in our time here in the, in the United States of America. That's 400 years of history or so. And, uh, and some of the only indigenous, maybe the only indigenous art forms are those created by black people. So where is that celebrated? Uh, well, we're gonna make sure it gets celebrated in Chicago, but, but again, we're gonna make, put this on offer for the whole wide world. And uh, we think that this is uh, you know, a collective effort this is not just my idea, but I'm so grateful to the state of Illinois, the city of Chicago, all the private philanthropy, all the people who are going to be involved. And this is stage two out of what we think will be a, a three-stage process. So great okay. start, and we'll be getting underway very soon. And it's uh, the Lillian Marcy Center for Performing Arts, which will be located at 4343 South Cottage Grove Avenue on Chicago's South Side. And I think about this, this is about the renaissance of this Brownsville area. As gentrification happens, you are saying, "Mm -mm, no, we're going to center us in this space. You are not going to overrun it with Starbucks and things like that. So talk, talk a little bit about who Lillian Marcy is and why it is named for her. 
Well, there's it's two women who are extraordinarily influential in my life. Lillian Lennox, my mom, uh, no longer with us, but whose legacy goes on. And Marcella Gilly, who was the principal of Bass Elementary School when I was uh, a teacher in the Chicago public school system. She uh, gave me a job as a, as a music teacher. You know, later on, Craig Robinson, the great comedic actor, you know, became the music teacher there. He's a tremendous musician. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, well, he came into the studio and, and yeah. made me sing with him, uh, <laughs> Harry, which, yeah. you know, you know, I'm, I'm always re- ready and willing to sing, even though I cannot. And I'm good. I'm good. So we sang. We, sang, we did a duet and he could play. He plays the piano. I know he plays other instruments is what you're telling me. I know he's a- accomplished in that area. The piano. His brother actually is a is a very gifted jazz pianist here in the, in New York City. Uh, I don't know if you know him, but he's terrific. Their mother was a music teacher, I think. In, uh, wow. I want to say in Indiana, but that said, uh, you know, maybe there was something being in that chair as the music teacher at Bass Elementary School. Maybe it's a sure sign. <laughs> so we we think that uh, that you know a, a great connection between the Chicago public schools, even charter schools, private schools, but the people, the students in the area who have a wealth of talent that is just laying dormant in some, in, in some ways, uh, that we'll be able to help them unlock that. That we'll be able to, uh, to really bring a breath of fresh air and inspiration into the community. But again, this is not just for children. This is gonna be, uh, we're gonna put the, the best of the world uh, in terms of black culture uh, we want in that center, have cultural exchange programs with other uh, theater companies throughout the United States, places like Hattie Lou Theater, Memphis, the Roby Theater Company in LA, uh, Classical Theater of Harlem run by my man, Ty Granderson Jones up there. You know, we, we really wanted to be able to have a, a conversation with people, even the National Black Arts Festival, you know, we want really to have this collective where we do a circuit of the best of us, but we, you know, the Lillian Marcy Center in AMPA, the museum, which will uh, exhibit, uh, produce shows there, will really be across five disciplines. There's a, a theater, dance, music, oratory, and film and television. Oh, wow. And so this wow. is a big operation, it's very ambitious. We eventually want a, a school, a conservatory where you can do advanced studies in these black cultural forms. Uh, where we don't have to send uh, Muhammad chasing off to chasing off, uh, mountains, but we can bring the mountain to Muhammad. And so that's, uh, it's a little bit more like Don Quixote, I think. I, I call it a quixotic venture because uh, I'm chasing windmills here, but but I know we can capture them. I think you can. Um, <laughs> and in and, and Ramadan season, it's nice that you're bringing a mountain to Muhammad. That's very generous. That's right. <laughs> Uh, well, Harry Lennox is here, uh, 866-801-8255. And this center, I'm always curious because, you know, there's a lot of money. Uh, some would say $26 million is not a, is, is a lot of money. You are saying it's the first round of three, hopefully. Um, do Did you have a plan for the first tranche of money? You know, like I, I often see people get money, and I feel like some of these institutions get money, and they have no idea what to do with it. They just go and ask for money, but there's like absolutely like a lot of the HBCUs. I'm like, shore up your infrastructure and your technology. Number one, no child should have a roach and no child should not should, should not be able to connect to their class, period. I don't care what else you do. Stop the presses. Mackenzie Scott money should go to infrastructure, your technology and making sure there are no roaches, period. Everything else is gravy. What What's the first thing you're going to do in building this? Is it about the building itself? 
Well, this is an excellent question. Yes, we, you know, I have terabytes of information. We, we've been, I've been thinking about this since 2007. That's a fact. And I got immediately involved with a bunch of other people on the team. And we've drawn out plans for what we call the Bronzeville Renaissance Project. That project is what got the 26 million. Of that 26 million, we will appropriate a certain portion toward the build out of the center. Of course, as I say, it's not enough money. So we, we're taking on debt as well. We're taking on investment as, as well. It takes a lot to develop these things to the stage that they need to be. However, we also want to have artist residents. That's going to be an important component. Where are the people performing in the center going to stay? Where do the artists you know, have a corner in, in this whole uh, concept? That's important. Uh, parking, uh, a restaurant, uh, rehearsal space, office space. These kinds of things are, are, you know, what any modern kind of landmark area can have. I keep comparing it, of course, to the Lincoln Center. I hope they don't uh, sue me for, for all of the comparisons I make, but that's an entire campus. And that campus includes already existing companies when it was built in 1970 or what have you. It gave a central home to already existing companies such as American Ballet Theater, uh, Metropolitan Opera, Jazz of Lincoln Center, all of those, uh, the, all of those uh, Alice Tully Hall stuff. That's an entire campus that is managed by a company. So we want to make sure that uh, the arts companies that inhabit it may even own the buildings. These nonprofit organizations that do good can just do art and do what they do, and we will, in our company, will manage uh, and the development. And so we'll take care of the maintenance and the roaches and all the stuff that you're, that you're referring to with what, what the money that uh, Ms. Scott gave to the HBCU. So, you know, we want to make sure that that gets taken care of. So we have a systematic plan to ensure the viability of this. And part of that will be financing the whole thing. So we're going to take on some more debt. We're also going to go out and do a capital campaign so that this can get the kind of funding that it needs. As you know, as much as anyone, Karen, that you, uh, the way to kill a project in a dream is to underfund it at the beginning. That is true. So yeah, we need to make sure that it has the resources it needs. And, yeah. and of course, $26 million will help us uh, to, yeah. uh, to that end. The other way is to not have a vision and not build, build foundationally strong, you know, just be top heavy, you know? So uh, right. shout out to you again. I think this is going to be an amazing project because I know you, so there's that. And I have to make a correction. The queen is 96, not 95. I apologize, but I really don't care. So that's, you know, either way, she can be 90, she can be 115. None of it matters to me at all. I just like to do the accent. That's it. Uh, if I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, because I don't think we should have queens and kings and anybody else lording over anybody who, who you know, got royal people to wipe your ass and all of it. I, I, you know, I think humanity should be beyond this. At this point, we need no rulers. We're we're human beings that are free. Stop it! All right, uh, you agree? I'm with you. <laughs> All right, we're gonna disagree on something, which yes. is uh, okay because we love each other and there's respect in the room. Um, and there was a, a a lot of attention paid to something that I thought shouldn't have gotten a lot of attention. It something happened. Okay, it didn't happen to me or you. It was not a good thing to happen. It was a bad thing that happened, but it was it wasn't like what's going on in Ukraine. It was it, nobody's not eating as a result. Okay, somebody's face got hurt a little bit, and then somebody's reputation got hurt. But that's them. You rang in on the slap, and you said that Will Smith 
should re- must return his Oscar to restore the award's honor. You still feel that way, Harry Lennox? Yeah, I don't. I, although I don't think I said must. Okay. I said that I would recommend uh, or strongly suggest that he do so, or that is at least what uh, what is implied. Uh, I don't write the bylines. Must right, right, right. never a word that I use. Okay. But that said, uh, I think it would be of enormous help to the man. I'm trying to help the guy. You know, I met Will Smith, lovely guy when I met him. But I think that uh, even if no one has any respect for the award, uh, you know, then he could show that he has some by doing the right thing here. It is, it is, uh, he committed okay, wait, a criminal wait, 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 we talk about the same Oscars that had Hattie McDaniels not be able to sit in the arena and then put her in the back of the room. That same Oscar that, that uh, has for centuries, oh, I ain't been a decades disrespected black people that gave Oscars to people like Woody Allen and Roman Polanski and Harvey Weinstein has a bunch of them. That Oscar? Well, these, you know, these are, uh, to me, these are transparent equivalency fallacies. For example, you know, they didn't commit whatever these crimes that they're being alleged to have committed on the stage at the award ceremony in front of millions of people. And I would suggest to you that they would not have been there to receive the award had they been so named, having committed not just this act of violence, but then a further degradation and humiliation by screaming from the seat. No one came to the defense of the man who had been attacked. No one gave him any kind of support whatsoever. We all experienced this shameful thing. And I'm just saying that it would do, it would show the world that, uh, that at least Will Smith was contrite by giving up, by giving up the award to a, after resigning from the Academy itself. Now the Academy- Which he did, he did, do, he did, he resigned before they kicked well, him out. But he, so they award, but, he, but he kept the award. Well, he earned he the award, award. Harry, Harry Lennox. He earned that. He, he played did. the hell out of that role. Did you watch King Richard? I, I thought he was tremendous. Amazing. King and again, here, here's the only thing I'm saying, look, Harry, he deserved uh, the acknowledgement and all. He has won the award. I just think it would be helpful to him. And, and I say that just because if, if, <laughs> if nothing else, it would show that he was contrite okay. and realized the error of his ways. And, and, and while I'm not, I'm not saying that there's any dignity in the Academy, like the ones that I, although I think there should be, but, but that said, if I may finish, please, I apologize that the Academy uh, may, is, is imperfect, but the award means something. And it meant something when Sidney Poitier had it, for example, and he carried it with great dignity. It meant something when Anthony Hopkins won it. It meant something when Hattie McDaniels won it, even though they treated her horribly. The award meant something for her and the people she represented. That's what she said in her speech. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, while, you know, the, the people obviously who have bestowed this award over time have been really quite a miss for a very, very long time and clearly don't give much of a damn about the awards, you know, but I think it could mean something to him. And I think that, you know, that they're still beyond record as having won it and all that stuff. But that said, it would it would just show an actor. So I'm trying to help the man. Uh, listen, he doesn't have to do anything that I say. I get it. Ah, but That's Harry my... Lennox, uh, I would absolutely agree with you mm-hmm. if we lived in a world where honor, respect, dignity, and all of those things were the norm. They are not. We're in a chaotic, upside down situation. And to require this one man, and I'm going to say this black man, 
to stand to hold up a, an honor that is not existent anywhere else in any faction of society from the presidency on down. We just had a whole ass carnival barker as president for four years who had no honor. We still don't know what was in his taxes, but you want Will Smith to be the one to sacrifice on behalf of a, of an institution. And I, and I'm going to say something about Hattie, Hattie McDaniel, who is my hero. I think she died penniless. They gave her an award for playing a mammy, which is something that they're very comfortable for. Same with Halle Berry, same with Monique, same with Denzel. Anything that makes us look out, I'm going to put Sidney Poitier over here in a position where they're comfortable seeing us in these subservient roles. I'm going to give you an Oscar for that. To me, is a, a slap in the face, to use a all, metaphor. All the, more, all the more reason to give it back. No, all that's why you keep it, because this whole thing is BS. And I'm going to keep this award because I earned it. And whatever, I was wrong. I, I, you know, admitted that. I apologized. I stepped down. I'm banned for 10 years, which I think is also, you know, extreme. But all right, I'll accept all of that because I don't believe in any of it. But I just, you know, I just found it disturbing that we are in this current time that we're in where the simple thing of wearing a mask to protect other people is a political football. The the notion of the humanity that we should share is non-existent in this society where we are right now. I'm going to do a story on Michelle Obama's brother having to pull his kids out of school because because they got suspended because they complained about bias. You would think Michelle Obama's brother wouldn't be getting biased. His children wouldn't be getting biased in, in this day and age. But here we are. You all, you packed a whole lot in there. I know, I that's what I do. You know. That's what I do. But that said, you know, all of these grievances that you were talking about are legitimate, and I agree with all of them, but it does not negate this wrong. Just because everybody, as, as Dr. King used to say, right, wrong is wrong when everybody's doing it, and right is right if nobody's doing it. Somebody should do the right thing, and I'm just suggesting that that might be Will Smith, and it might help him and help everybody else to move on from this right. awful thing that happened. It was a disgraceful event. I don't think there's any defending it, and and I'll never change from that. That was a, okay. I, that I, was I, appalling. It was, but it wasn't the worst thing that has ever happened. Uh, it was pretty. It was to me. It was. Uh, what? It's pretty disgraceful. I'm not. Of course, it's not. A, you think a, it was a, so? Where you not, put it? Where at a nine out of ten? You put it at an eight out of ten. Where would you put it? When it comes to dignity, uh, Karen, I do. I don't think nobody died. Nobody's going to, you know what I mean? But that will go on for the history of time. The award will be associated with that event until somebody else is walking around with it. And I just think that, you know, that that we can move on from it. I do the right thing. It doesn't matter that everybody else is wrong. If somebody could do something, there's never a bad time to do the right thing. I would agree with you fundamentally on principle, but, but. in this, in, no, no, but I just, I just look at a few things. First of all, that no one did anything also made it, made it okay. You know, we all sat, not one person got up from the, the people, these people that we're supposed to give the award back to, and I'm putting myself in the we now. So he's supposed to give his award back to the people that did nothing after he did that, after he yelled out the expletives. No one oh. did anything. And then he won, and no one, they never escorted him out. So he got to accept his award, cry his tears, say a sorry, all of this stuff. And, and But the onus should be on him, not the Academy. Yeah, but, but the worst thing to me too, Karen, was, was after all of those terrible things, that failure, that cascade of moral failings by everybody 
that he, then he went on to give God the blame for. He claimed that he was doing the work of God. <laughs> and that to me is not okay. That's a that's a, a heresy. That's a heresy. And I and I and I refuse to take that personally as a man of faith. Uh, I'm not I'm not gonna not say something about that. That was the worst part. And so uh, that is an abdication of, of personal accountability and blaming. Have you met this country? Are you serious, Harry Lennox? Seriously. Well, the same thing applies to the whole, for anybody. The whole, there's no, there's very little accountability and there's very little impulse control, which is something that I'm going to talk about extensively next week. Like this, 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 this accountability for actions. You and I would never do that. But I also feel like the level of judgment for, you know, which is also not very Christian-like, is at a level that's high. There's two things going on. No accountability and heavy judgment at the same time in the social media space of chaos and, and I think there's a lot of demonic energy yes, just just sir. flowing through. And I'm going to give the brother grace because I don't know what he was going through. And I'm going to say whatever he had a moment. He's experienced something. I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. But I don't know. I don't know Harry Lennox is put in a situation. I've been graceful. I'm being graceful and giving him a, a very <laughs> okay. valid, right. positive thing that could be done. He's the only person at this point who would be able to actually bring some dignity into this thing by having some, you know, respect. All right. Well, I, I guess I don't know what dignity is in a country that has yet to make repair for 400 years of uh, building your wealth on the backs of black people. But I, I digress. I digress because I do think it's all the same and it, it it has completely shaded and shifted how I think about things when there's always this standard of excellence that black people must live up to that we put ourselves to this, this standard that doesn't exist anywhere else. And I just, I'm just, I'm tired, I guess I just, I'm exhausted. Right. Well, I don't think it would take an extraordinary effort uh, on that to, to do something that is accountable. That's all. I, I don't How hard is that? I mean, is that is that a real heavy lift? I don't. Think yeah, so. I think it is. I think he he acted his ass off. He won. Uh, he he performed well. He won the award. And if he has to get back his award, please go get Roman Polanski's. Please go. Please go get all of Woody Allen's. Please go get all of Harvey Weinstein's Amen. Oscars. Get all of them because then none of them either all. So it was either none of them are valuable or all of them are valuable. But just this one man's gonna sacrifice his, and the rest of them get to keep theirs. I don't think so. No, sir. Okay. Nope. All right. We'll move on. Okay. So this season on the blacklist, (laughs) you're still on it. Okay. Now. How does that happen? (laughs) Because you're good. And thank you for introducing me to to Dembe Hashan Tariq. Hashan Tariq. Yes. Amazing human being with uh, an incredible background. And I mean, all, I mean, firefighter, military, all of the things. And then he's acting his ass off. But there's been some things, some things with, uh, you know, Elizabeth, who I still don't like. I still don't mm. like her, Harry Lennox. Uh, <laughs> still not feeling her. Tell me, tell me what's what's going on right now in the blacklist that you can talk about. Yes, well, I mean, Elizabeth, of course, you know, we, we lost her much to my Oh, chagrin. see, so uh, I didn't uh, watch. Okay, spoiler alert. She's not there anymore, so I can go back and watch. I will. Pro- I promise you, I'm like, I can't watch this lady another time. She is like, uh, she is so annoying. So she's gone? 
Yeah, it's her character. Okay. Well, I won't right. tell you. What okay, happened, but, you told yeah, me already. He, Good. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I got 17 episodes in DVR waiting oh. waiting to watch. I promise you. Okay, she's gone. I will start watching again. Which episode? So I can go right to that episode. And, and, ah. I think it's, it's I think it's episode 22 of season eight. I okay. think it's the last. Just the finale of last season. So. All right. Thank You're you. Yeah. So that's. Jesus, uh, I've been saying from second. season one. Why is she on here? But thank you, Harry Lennox. You made my day. You don't even know it. Okay. So now what's happening? Now I could be happy. You got hours of, of entertainment to catch <laughs> yes. up on. That's that. Uh, yes. You know, we're a bandy, you're a band of, uh, of merry rebels uh, in the blacklist as we normally are. But it's it's a very interesting season. It's very good. We also lost the, the man. We didn't lose him, but he went on to. Uh, to do glory. other work. Oh, not to his name is uh, John Bokenkamp. John Bokenkamp, who created the show. Oh. Uh, he didn't think that the show was going to last as long, so he had other commitments, you know. But but here we are. Uh, to, so uh, that said, it's got a different tone this year, and and I think it's streamlined uh, much of the story. So it's still it's still a really good show, and I, I'm very proud that we are uh, still entertaining people. That we have our fans who are loyal to us. Uh, we have a Crackerjack team here, led of course by Spader, but there's Diego and Isham, Tafik, Amir, and Laura. You know, so we have a, a good core team and some wonderful access to great actors and throughout the whole country. So it's uh, we're still doing great. I think network TV, and uh, and I'm and I'm happy to tell you that you will not be disappointed in what you see this this season. It's getting especially good right now. So. You have made my day. You don't even know. Uh, and, and tell me, Harry, before I let you go, the for you as an actor, because you know I, I now have a lot of acquaintances and friends who are in industries, whether acting or singing, and to have a steady paycheck for eight, nine seasons in a row. And now when do residuals? Residuals must have kicked in at some point. I'm sure you did all of that, signing up for that. How does that change your, your life in the way in which you're able to make decisions based not on like what's coming next and I got to do the next, okay, I got to, got to, okay, you know, and, and did you plan for this? Meaning, you know, cause I, I was talking to somebody who's a comedian and she just finished a eight, eight, eight week or 18 week um, contract. And she said, she put all that money away. Cause you don't know when the next job is coming at was there a point in this journey with the blacklist where, when you were able to relax or did you just stow away every check? And then by the time you got to the fifth season, you're like, okay, maybe I can relax. Have you relaxed? No, I haven't, you know, to be in all honesty, I spent all that money, Garrett. I, I, uh, I produced some movies, you know, I had my revival uh, Jesus movie. I had a movie called uh, Mr. Sophistication now called Troubled Waters, which is on BET streaming, BET plus or whatever streaming, which is great. H4, you know, so I, I put it all into projects and then into this Bronzeville project. So okay. that said, you know, I managed this year to finally uh, not have to live paycheck to paycheck as it were, because I was doing that for the first, at least until 2019. You know, there was, I, I wow. my wife actually came and she's like, hey man, we've saved zero money here. I don't know if you realize <laughs> that. Right? Wait, not you, living paycheck to paycheck for the yeah, fortunately, fortunately, it was a hell of a check. But uh, but that's <laughs> that said, there were times when it was you know I'm borrowing money at exorbitant rates just to you know to stay afloat when I was doing these projects. But that's you know that's what it is when you're in this business. When you're when you're more than uh, just an actor, when you're going to produce things, mm -hmm. 
you're going to take the lead in these uh, creative projects. There are no guarantees. Most of the money you'll probably never see it again. But every once in a while, you know, you'll, you know, you'll get lucky and, and uh, or, or blessed, as you say, grace uh, yes. will come through and uh, and something will get funded and and uh, or something will be a hit. And so I'm I'm extremely grateful for for the blacklist. It's given me a certain amount of. Uh, of stability and uh, and it certainly helped me accomplish some some dreams. So you know, over the next uh, few years, as the center gets built out and all of that, then uh, I, I hope to to still have it because a lot of my resources are going to that. Well, you are a yeoman in that, and uh, just I love the love that you have for your for your city. Can we take a couple of calls? Um, Ty wants to ask a question. He's in Florida about your project in Chicago. Ty, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. You're on with Harry Lennox. Hi, Karen. Uh, nice to uh, listen in on your program. You always got something interesting to talk about. And you got my man, Mr. Cooper, on, I'm, Lord Jesus, Mr. Uh, <laughs> Lennox on here. Uh, it's all good. <laughs> I, I'm a fan favorite, so I'm sorry. That was a Freudian slip. Um, but real quickly, on the subject of your character, uh, Mr. Lennox, uh, there was one episode, I think you might have seen it too, Karen, where it was like a season ender where it looked like Mr. Cooper, Mr. Cooper is about to buy it. And I'm like, if he dies on this show, I'm never going to watch any more of this. Exactly. But as it turned out, you survived, and I'm like, okay, now I can get. Well, Dembe, I probably would have watched a few more because Dembe was on it. But I really mm-hmm. was into uh, Mr. Lennox's portrayal of the character. Mr. Lennox, I followed your career pretty much. Uh, I know you've done things before Get on the Bus, but I really took note of you when you did Get on the Bus uh, with uh, Isaiah Washington working by your side. And uh, talking about awards, unless I missed it, you should have got something for Adam Clayton Powell's uh, prayer for Adam Clayton Powell. That was Absolutely. phenomenal, Mr. Lennox. Phenomenal. Oh, my Thank gosh. You, you made me think of him because I was around when he was still living. And I kind of remember some of the, arc, you know, the documentaries and things that was done on him. I mean, you laid that down. You really did. So Thank you. I don't know what, what the Oscars or anybody's looking at, but they, they're really missing the talent. Good talent. Um, on the heels of your uh, program out there in Chi-Town, uh, congratulations on that. And you may have said it because I was, when I was trying to get on the call here, there was a point I couldn't hear some of the things you were saying. So if you mentioned it already, just stop me and I'll just get off the line and listen. Um, have you ever considered or do you have a part of, uh, part of your project to add a uh, performing theater on there, like something like an Apollo not in the format of Apollo, but, you know, performance stage, that when these kids learn the things they learn, then they come out of here and showcase their talent, yeah. or, or is that something you're already doing? He just did mention that, Ty, but thank you for all of the wonderful platitudes and actions. Yes, those are, yeah, that was, that was great. The, uh, you know, one of my favorite calls of all time. I got to get the co- recording of this. Thank you very much for, for your comments and your questions. Yes, we're going to have two performance spaces in the center, the Lily and Marcy Center. One is a 100-seat flexible theater, uh, primarily will be the residents of the Congo Square Theater Company. It's been around for 25 years, this company. Uh, black performing company started by some kids from Howard University some years ago. And then there'll be a bigger space where we can bring in bigger shows, bigger uh, uh, productions, so to speak. Then, of course, we're going to have some uh, a jazz club, which we're going to which uh, we're going to be able to do live jazz. We're going to have a rooftop where they'll be able to perform. We're going to have a uh, a big rehearsal spaces. Uh, so there's a, a, a little studio where we can film things because we want to capture everything that goes on there and preserve it 
uh, on tape or what have you for all times, for, for our posterity and for the benefit of the whole wide world. So yes, we, we're thinking about this holistically, collect, uh, comprehensively, if you will. And that's what the project itself is designed to do. But, but absolutely, we want to make sure that the young people have a way to apprentice. We have programs, uh, people designing curricula, all of these things uh, for the kids in the area and perhaps even throughout the whole wide world if you want to study uh, what makes black art great, black performance art great. We want you to know that you could come there to the Lily and Marcy Center and AMPA and, and, and uh, have access to that. I love it. I love it. And Ty, thank you. One more call. And this is just because I'm a fair person, Harry Lennox. Alan, New York, called to agree with you. So I'm going to let him through. Al, you're on. Welcome. Okay. Al, come on. It's a live show. Let's go. We're waiting. I just wanted to comment. Oh, wow. And I forgot my comment now. It was about. You um, you said you agreed with Harry, Harry Lennox. That was it. I agree with Harry Lennox about, um, uh, I forgot the topic. Will Smith, this is what it says here. Will, oh. So how the hell? Boo, you are disqualified. You can't even <laughs> articulate your agreement with Harry Lennox. Come on, how Al. Do that? Okay, well, it, was about, it was about the academy. I wanted to say, remember Marlon Brando, he didn't take his academy because it stands no. for the American Indian. That's all. I mean, okay. American. Uh, yeah. Native Americans. Well, you know, Marlon Brando was a man of character and a man of, uh, you know, he had a great deep understanding of this world and this country and how to make a stand. I don't think Will Smith is an activist. That's it. That's just my opinion. But Actually, all, thank you. Thank you very much. That's, that's really great. I appreciate your comment. But also, I would let you know that the first person to not accept it was uh, George C. Scott. He didn't accept it for, for Patton. And uh, it was really just that he didn't think that the uh, ceremony or the award itself was worth the damn. So, so, so <laughs> well, there, there you go. There, there you go. Well, Harry Lennox, you are worth more than that. And um, I appreciate you always coming through and being a part of this family and a part of my my personal life. And I thank you for uh, coming on, being a good sport. And I'm going to now watch 17 episodes of The Blacklist because i got to catch up. got to catch up. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to The Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.